Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour, the first Late Night Happy Hour of 2021, and we got like a kick-ass logo. Look at that. Yes, we do. We can't totally figure out how to use it right and make it look like dissolves and shit, but like, look at it. Look at it. Yeah, I know. That. It's awesome. We, we want to thank um, Lalo Guzman. Um, you can find him on IG, Lalo underscore Guzman underscore 55. Also on Twitter, Lalito Yeah. Also our buddy, Jorge Briones. You guys know him as a board op and a producer. Various shows at 710 ESPN. At you can, can follow so him shiny. on Twitter cool. at J-A-B-C-A-M-L-A. Um, Jorge, always looking out for us, man. We always appreciate it. We are going to start introducing and fiddling around with these different graphics and stuff, trying to make the show a little more visually. We're going to give us some zazz, like Andy. We are. Zazz. But uh, we're stoked, man. It was really, it was very, very cool of Jorge Lalo. They did this unsolicited. We did not ask. It's just, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we really hard. appreciate that. Uh, tonight, fun show coming up tonight. Had a great conversation earlier today with Lang Whitaker, NBA vet. And a lot, you know, if you've been around the NBA and you're an NBA fan, uh, you know Lang Whitaker. Uh, he was with, you know, one of the the founding guys at Slam. Um, he was with NBA.com and uh, also has written a lot of NBA uh, content for GQ. Now he's the GM and coach of Grizz Gaming. Uh, writes a lot of their media content as well with the Grizzlies. So uh, with the Lakers in Memphis. For the second game of that sort of series now that the NBA is playing, we had a, uh, took the time to talk to Lang. Super awesome guy. Um, and uh, that'll be coming up in a second. But before we get there, Andy, the Rams are in the playoffs. Now, I will say this. Before we get too deep into this conversation, they finished 10-6. and six. Many people know I was Rams skeptical before the season started. I wasn't sure if they would make the playoffs. Granted, there's an extra playoff spot, but they didn't need it. They're the nope, six seed, they not, not the seven. They, they legitimately made the playoffs, Brian. They, they are in. So I I underestimated the Rams. I okay. Um, then now so they're they're 10 and 6. They got in by beating the Arizona Cardinals 18 to 7 over the weekend in uh and Kyler murray <laughs> Yes, yeah, something <laughs> named something called Chris Steveler. Uh, or Streveler, or I was going to say that's not actually his name. Streveler. I believe it's Streveler. <laughs> there, are, there are elite seventeen people on the Arizona Cardinals who don't know what his name is either. I am not. I'm not taking any flack for that. As Rich Hammond, our friend at the Athletic, uh, a Rams writer and editor over the Athletic, said, "This is the best preseason game he's seen all year." Um, him and John Wolford. So the Rams will play in Seattle on Saturday. Uh, we don't know if Jared Goff is going to be able to play with his injured, surgically repaired thumb. We don't know if that means John Wolfer will play. And I'm not entirely sure uh, which one is better. Like, right? I mean, I think I know. I, what do you think? Let's start with it. What do you think Rams fans want? Oh, Rams fans, I guarantee, want John Wolford. I can <laughs> promise you. We, You know what? Let's put this out as a poll. All right. At Cam Brothers tonight, who would you rather see start? I am willing to bet right now. The winner is going to be John Wolford by a pretty sizable margin. Obviously, if people want to chime in, um, All right, on I'll, I'll put right that out. What, what did you think of Wolford's play? Because I, I, I want to ask you first because you have been much higher on golf, you know, yeah, golf I, than me. All you, I, I over the last couple of weeks, I've been texting you. I'm starting to come around to your. Yeah, I know. I was wrong about the playoffs, but I might have been right about the quarterback. But go okay. on. Here's how I would evaluate John Wolford. He is way more fun to watch than Jared Goff. Like if you're looking for just a more, you know, just a, a good time while you're watching a game, regardless of what's going to happen, you, you make want sound, John. You Wolford. make it sound like he's like you picked up your quarterback on the bathroom wall, like for a I, good time. Call John. He, look, I mean, let's be honest. That is kind of the equivalent. The guy had literally not thrown an NFL pass. Until this, until week seventeen against the Kyler Murrayless Arizona Cardinals, he had well, not I'm putting Blake Bortles on there. He had not <laughs> stepped onto a field during an NFL regular season game. So to some That's degree, true. yeah, it is a little bit like you know 
picking up your quarterback off the street and no, but like when you, but I just mean literally for the good time part. Like that, before I finish this point, no, that's Rams, exactly how I mean the Rams it too. did <laughs> for they a did. good time call right. you know, five five five, you know, Wolfer. <laughs> like, I mean, that is kind of what I'm talking about. And they that do works, have, by the they way, W O L F O R D. Yeah, they did get Bortles off the practice squad, right? Like that, that yes, that happened. All right, so yes, I'm, put, I'm including him in the poll. Yeah, I, abs- absolutely. I mean, I, I I mean it that way. Like it's a little bit your fe- you know, times are a little desperate. You're feeling a little frisky. You go to the street. You find your quarterback. So it is a little bit for a good time, but also too. I mean, John John Wolford is fun to watch. He's fun to watch run around. He's actually legitimately mobile. Or if nothing else was legitimately mobile against a team who had no idea who he was, but he is fun to watch play. If I had to pick the quarterback that, assuming Jared Goff's hand is usable, like that thumb is not just going to get in the way of him actually making throws, would I rather bet on the quarterback with actual NFL experience versus the guy who would be making his second start after a team has a week to prepare for him? Mm -hmm. I got to be honest. I would rather have Goff out there if I'm playing the odds. I'm not sure golf's going to end up with a good result, but if you're asking me what's what is realistically the better way of playing the odds, it's Jared Goff. Yeah, and look, I I, I am uh, I'm not a believer in golf. I don't think he's terrible, and I actually think in some ways this game reminds you, like for all these people out there that are you know that are like me and think the Rams are, that are not confident in in golf. That don't believe that, you know, don't feel good when you have a fourth quarter. Like, let's say on Saturday, the Rams are down by four. There's four minutes left on the clock and they have the ball on their own, you know, 23 yard line. Do I believe Jared? Do I have confidence that Goff can drive them down the field and, and, and get them the touchdown they need? I do not. I do. I don't think he's that kind of guy, particularly if they're in a situation where, you know, things aren't perfect and Cam Akers is struggling to run the ball because maybe the ankle's bad and, you know, the the, the passing, you know, whatever, what, the protection may not be, whatever it might be. I don't really believe that Goff is an elevator of the guys around him. That said, like, the offense was not exactly prolific Dude. under under Wolford over the weekend and he's, Goff is better than Wolford. Yeah. Like better. nine of their points came from the defense. Yes. They had a pick six and a safety. Like, let's be honest about this. If Kyler Murray plays even half of that game, the Rams likely lose. They might. They might. They certainly might. If he plays the whole game, I'm willing to bet the farm Arizona wins that game. Uh, What's what's interesting about it, too, is like, obviously, you don't know. I don't know. You don't know, like, what they have to do, how they, you know, how they do things differently and blah, 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 blah. I mean, all that stuff is true. Fine. But. You know, I, I think it's it's one of the things that about the Rams this year that is hard to figure out. Like, I mean, so I was looking at you know, really basic stats: twenty second in in yards this year, total yards, which is not impressive considering how much they had the ball. Twenty um, second in points per game, twenty fifth in the number of drives that they had with a score. The offense was not prolific. That said, they were also not asked to put a lot of points on the board in part because the defense was so dominant first in total yards first in scoring defense first in yards per play a few of these stats by a mile like you know statistically their, speaking their defense i i did not I, I will say this as somebody who was much more bullish on the rams than you were mm-hmm. i did not see this defense coming at all no, i thought it'd be the other way around the offense the, would carry them, the defense would be like i don't know their their defense is so damn good like it, it if the Rams are able to make a legitimate playoff run, it could very well be like what we saw from the Ravens, you know, like that that year when Trent Dilfer was the quarterback and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm just saying it's going to be like one of those defense first by a mile Correct. type teams. Yeah, I mean, so I it, there is if 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 Jared Goff is capable of playing over the weekend. He's going to play, correct? Like I, I know, I know. Sean McVay was coy about it. Um, you know, after the game, uh, you know, 
you know, all that stuff. But that's that's just because A, he doesn't know if Goff can play, and B, might as well let Seattle think about and have to prepare for both guys. Jared Goff, if he can hold a football and take a snap, is going to play and should. Yeah, okay. Now, this is interesting, though, um, from uh, LA Rams FC. Did you guys notice defense gave up on Goff? The way they rallied with Wolford and all shows. The, this is an interesting bit of kind of armchair psychiatry that I'm not even saying LA Rams mm. FC is wrong, but I but it's easy to read into the excitement that you could see with those guys with Wolford because it, some of that comes from just having no idea what's going to what's going to happen, and even those guys possibly being pleasantly surprised. You know what I mean? Or like getting a kick out oh, of it's, there's, little... it. To quote a, an old president, there is the soft bigotry of low expectations right. going on in this game. Or, I don't... or, you know, the rallying effect of watching a quarterback. You and I have been in the Rams locker room multiple times. Whatever Wolford is listed height-wise, they're exaggerating by at least four inches. He's like three and a half feet tall. Yeah, the guy is next to the guy. He's three and a half feet tall. Yeah, I mean, he's a little dude. And he has a and... peg leg. <laughs> no, he does not have a peg leg. He just is short, but they're his actual legs. Um, but it that is that's, he says. I, I don't know how he became a pirate. <laughs> gotta, well, gotta yeah, be honest. Because I, I gave him a peg leg. But but that's actually what's exciting. Like for yes. these guys. Like it's it's fun for them and it's energizing for them to watch a guy that, let's be honest, they don't even know what he's capable of doing during a game find some degree of success but like you what, said brian he was hardly prolific out there he was hardly happened, carving up arizona right what happens when Devonte kaycock or whichever antetokounmpo brother we have does something cool in a laker game the bench goes crazy when yeah. jared dudley hits a three-pointer the bench goes no starters rally around backups that's what happens in all sports when you know the guy at the end of the bench the 25th guy on a baseball roster hits a pinch hit home run it's more exciting for the guys on the bench because they're all i mean they they like these guys that you know and they know they don't get many chances to succeed and so they get really excited and look i i don't mean this to say that wolford didn't do a good job i mean it's his first nfl start the 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 the, the um Pressure was high. The Rams, you know, went into that game thinking they might have to win. They didn't know the Packers were going to beat the uh, the Bears. The first pass is an interception. Like that's not good. And he goes to apparently goes to the sidelines, tells everybody, "Don't worry, I'm fine. It'll be okay. You don't, you know." And like so, after that, you know, they were smart. They got him going with with running the ball, all of that stuff, and started taking advantage of his strengths. That said, you know, I just I. Do you how I mean they they can obviously beat Seattle. They beat in Seattle already this season. They played Seattle well. It's a different Seattle team though than the one they beat earlier in the year. Um, we're gonna by the way we'll talk a lot about this with Ted Wynn on Friday, who's gonna be joining us from the Athletic. Uh, we've had him on the show before. He's fantastic. I, I, I there are four and a half point underdogs. That seems about right to me. I I don't trust yeah, them. I, Seattle's defense has been so good. I just don't trust them to move the ball. Here's what's here's what's actually really interesting is Seattle, their offense has struggled against the Rams too. Russell Wilson threw for under 250 yards in both games. And the one where he hit 248, I believe he took 37 throws. So I mean, it's not like he's been, it's not like he's actually been carving up the Rams either. Like they they averaged 18 points in two games against the Rams this year. So they're they're gonna have their own struggles right. as well. And like, I saw our, our Jordan Rodriguez, our friend from the Athletic, um, sh- favorite of the show. Um, she, I apologize to her if I butcher this stat, but she basically put out in the in the four games this year where uh, Jalen Ramsey was matched up against DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins, he gave up a total of seventy seven yards. That so dude. you know, so much of what Seattle did early in the season, again. Uh, I'm just basically reciting things that Jordan wrote in her column. So much of what Seattle was doing early in the season was built on big plays with DK Metcalf. You take that away, they have some of the similar same similar problems to the Rams. They don't always run the ball particularly effectively. The Rams went from having too many running backs to not enough running backs, you know, not enough healthy ones at least. And so, you know, I they can obviously win this game. 
I, I I wonder if on Seattle's, you know, whoever hosts the late night happy hour in Seattle, I wonder if they're as nervous about this as like Rams fans are about about going up there. I mean, I how mean, good do you think they feel? I would I would think that they feel better just knowing their team is healthier at this point. I I think at least there are fewer questions. Like we still don't know exactly what's going. I don't think at least with Cooper Cup. Don't know exactly. No, they, what's they going. should be able to play. Assuming, we, we assuming they don't uh, show symptoms between now and Saturday, they should be able right. to play. Right. We we don't know exactly what's going on with Cooper Cup. We don't know exactly what's going on with Michael Brockers, who's a really underrated part of that defense. They like, all you, supposedly all of them should be available. Right, but but until you know, it's it's something that you have to factor in with question marks, and Seattle isn't dealing with that right now. <laughs> Great response to the poll uh, from L- L.A. boxing fan Kurt Warner. poll question who do you want under center on saturday for the rams on uh and the uh, right now it's it's surprisingly close kudos to blake bortles for uh really you know showing well here third (laughs) at 29 percent but uh john wolford 33 percent jared goff 38 percent uh one percent for kurt warner well Um, here's what here's what i would say like on one hand you can you can tell that this is the playoffs because the majority of people responding in this you know in terms of one guy leading they're being serious about it and recognizing like okay all joking aside the answer is jared goff the fact however that jared goff is not running away with this speaks to why we have the right whole because people are also they're joking around but they're also very serious at this time of year like yes. guys stop fucking around it's jared goff like, we don't have time for your nonsense um, all right, so obviously we'll we'll do a, we'll do some more playoff talk over the course of the week. We'll get you ready on Friday for Saturday's game uh, with Ted Wynn of the Athletic. I'm sure the NFL will come up in between now and then. We got a really good uh, yeah, and do. fun slate of guests this week, uh, including Bill Hanstock from uh, as you guys know him on Sun, uh, Sundown Motel. Um, we're gonna do a little wrestling. Never done I WWE. No, we haven't. And so we're going to have Bill on, on on Wednesday. It should be a ton of fun. But let's get to uh, our, our conversation with Lang Whitaker. He is, again, NBA vet. You know him from Slam, NBA.com, uh, GQ. And now he's in Memphis, coach and GM of Grizz Gaming, uh, but also does a lot of their NBA content, does you know their, their NBA media content, and is just a great writer and a great guy. Uh, so I had a chance to talk to him earlier in the day. And I'm going to do the thing where I share the screen. And I'm, let's see here, Chrome tab, share audio. Mostly your pictures of food over the course of the quarantine, <laughs> but not you actually. So it's nice to see your smiling face. Well, I, I know what my audience is there for. They don't, they don't come for pictures of me. Um, <laughs> when I used to do it, when I worked at NBA.com, and I did the podcast with Rick Fox and Seku and whenever we were putting out photos, I was like, Rick, I think your face should be like toward the front of these pictures. It's like this. <laughs> I know, I know what, what the moneymaker is. Let's keep you yeah. in the front. So yeah, I remember uh, one time Brian and I did a radio show with Rick Fox for 710 ESPN. And yeah. he said that he was willing to become the third Kamenetsky. We're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> that, that's a really terrible idea, Rick, on a, on a bunch of different levels. You are bringing yeah. yourself down, including frankly, the looks department. He is like really genuinely paralyzingly handsome yeah uh, I mean, it, it's funny like when we had when we did the podcast i didn't know him and they kind of threw us all together and um and we became really good friends um from it and then he came i was living in new york at the time and he came to new york and called me and he's like let's grab lunch and my wife was like i want to come along I've, I've heard you guys talking for years now and i've never actually met him so so she came to lunch and we had lunch and had a great time and afterwards we get in the taxi to go home and she goes two things first of all um, I can see why you guys are, are such good friends. You have a similar sense of humor. You, you, you know, have a lot to talk about. Number two, that's the most beautiful man I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. Like I, I mean, look, I, I've been in LA for a long time. I've been around famous people. We've been on movie sets. We've done all kinds. Of, I've seen some really handsome people. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's better looking than Rick Fox. Well, the good thing about this is Rick will completely tweet this out if he can fit it in between his Peloton Instagram stories that he's been all over the last couple of weeks. But no, he's not like, you know, arrogant about it or anything. No, like not that. at all. But I think Rick at this point has realized, you know what, the general consensus, I'm not bad looking. 
Yeah. <laughs> like everyone. And actually, you know, what's great. irritating about that too, is that he actually has the kind of lifestyle where he could do the Peloton commercial where you, you, you set it up in front of your all glass wall, overlooking your Japanese garden and yeah. you just get after it for a half hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what his thing is. I, he, he said he posted something the other day on Instagram and I sent him a note and I was like, has this become a Peloton account now? Like what's going on with this thing? So he's apparently really into it. Uh, by the way, do you agree? I, I have a theory that because I am uh, I am not a believer in the motivational speaker industry. I, yeah. I think by and large, it's just it's a scam. I'm not saying you could never get anything out of it. Sure. But I think it is it is the vocalized version of a pyramid scam. Okay. I consider motivational speakers. They're basically Peloton instructors, just not as hot. Like they, they, if they were hotter, they would end up Peloton instructors oh. or like online. No, no, there are actually a lot of yeah. a lot of motivational speakers uh, are Tony handsome. Tony Robbins is the handsome man. So I don't, I don't no, know. Oh, no, no. He, he, he's got a he's got like a seven foot head. No. Yeah. I watched Shallow How last night for a little bit on cable. So I saw <laughs> Oddly familiar with Tony Robbins at the moment. That is What's a that? movie that, if made in 2021, oh, no. would be made much differently. Yeah, totally. And by much differently, I mean not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's wild to think that like the Fairley brothers did that, and then one of the Fairleys got the Oscar for Best Picture. I know. Like, three years ago, whenever that was. Green, yeah, uh, Green Book. Yeah, yeah. So, that's. I think we're we're already way off the. Uh... <laughs> That's how this show goes. I, I wouldn't it. worry about it. it it'll, it's going to happen again. Yeah. Um, you, uh, a lot of attention on after Sunday's game, uh, Lakers win the, the first of the, I guess, these sort of little mini series that are being yeah. played now, 108 with 94. A lot of attention, obviously, on Marc Gasol. Um, he, you know, he, he was, you know, obviously, uh, he, always, he always is really good with the media, talked a lot about the connection to Memphis and this, you know, visiting his home and changing the smoke detector batteries and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, you, you know, obviously, you know, you know, the city, you know, him, you know, um, you know, all of that. What, what does having Mark Gasol on your team mean to your team? I think there's a couple of ways to unpack it. You know, what he means to your team is, um, he's a hell of a leader. He cares, you know, everything matters to him. Um, you see the way he fit in so seamlessly to the Lakers already. Um, you know, I saw it was like two games and people were putting out highlight videos of him throwing bounce passes and stuff. Um, he's, he's such a good fit basketball wise to, to kind of like any system, he can figure out where he fits in and how, what he's supposed to do. Um, and you're seeing that already in LA. Like, I, I think it's really cool to watch him and LeBron play together and, and to see them play. Um, you know, what he means kind of bigger picture to your franchise. Uh, you know, he understands what it means to, to represent a city, to represent a franchise. Um, he, he's, you know, always willing to talk to the media, to, to do all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, here in Memphis, you know, he, he went to high school here in Memphis because Powell was, was on the Grizzlies. Um, so people here in Memphis have watched him since he was, you know, you always see that famous picture of him when he was like a chubby high school player. Like people here remember him as that. Um, and he goes to the grocery stores here and has a farm um, uh, somewhere outside the city where he grows his own vegetables that he eats and all that stuff. So uh, he's a big part of the city and like the fabric of the city. And I imagine one day after everything's through, you know, he, he, he moves back here one day and he gets back involved here. But um, he really is a Memphian. Um, you know, I got hired. This is my fourth season here. And the, when I got hired, um, like the first week I was here, I, I didn't had really gotten a chance to meet people or get around. And uh, my wife is Cuban. So my son speaks Spanish and, and we were working with him on speaking Spanish and trying to get him better at it. And like the first game we've come to, we go in the employee entrance and Mark was like 60 yards ahead of us. And I pointed him out to my son who was five at the time. And I was like, look, there's, there's Mr. Mark. And you know, he also speaks Spanish and Mark heard me turns around, walks all the way back, and is like, hola, como estas? And my son's like, hola. And they have a little conversation <laughs> in Spanish for like five minutes, and they introduce each other and shake hands and turn around, and Mark leaves. And I was like, man, like he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my family. He doesn't know anything, and that's just the kind of guy he is. I thought that was such a cool example uh, of Mark and, and kind of what he, what he's like as a person. And, and I, I just love that he's so genuine, um, and he got a ring out of this whole thing now, and he might get another one. We'll see how it goes this year. Well, I mean, it also speaks too to just the Gasol family. I mean, because yeah. we covered Powell for years, he's exactly like that. And it's 
I mean, obviously their careers with the Grizzlies were different. You know, the the franchise itself was in very different places when Powell was there versus when Mark was there. But it's got to th- be, I think, pretty cool just that the Grizzlies as a franchise has this history with these two Hall of Fame brothers. And that, that's really unique to this one franchise. Yeah, it's weird. There's like this common, there's this connection from Barcelona to Memphis, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> two different continents, different countries, different places. And there's this really clear connection between these two cities. Um, thanks to this family. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see um, that they're still around too, you know, like this is the 20 year anniversary of, of the Grizzlies in Memphis. And, um, you know, the fact that like Powell is, is still kind of on the fringes and maybe he's coming back, maybe not, whatever. But, and then Mark's still playing and it still looks great. It's cool to, to see them still around and still part of everything. Um, what, oh, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say what, what, you know, it was people that surprised people that he had, you know, he missed the game. Uh, you know, there was no game last year yeah. I guess, between Toronto and Memphis in Memphis. It got scrapped by the pandemic right. and obviously no fans yesterday. What would that have been like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess next year there's probably two year contract he's on with the Lakers, and there's yeah. possibilities back, but you don't know. Well, we got to see Conley came back last year early in the season, so that was you know, both of them were going to have their return games last year. Um, and, and that was the first time to have one of those guys back because you know, the other the core four is those two guys, uh, Tony Allen, uh, Zach Randolph, and, and Zebo and Tony were still active. Um, at, going into last season. So neither one of those guys really had their like, you know, final after their retired game, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, Zach had his like return game here. Um, Tony um, is, is always kind of been around and, and still hanging around, but it, Mike last year had his like big return game and got the, the video and all that stuff and the full crowd and everybody went crazy. And um, you know, it, it, Mark's kind of the one that's left now. Like we haven't had a chance for like the, you know, 16,000 fans to stand up and, and, and celebrate him the way um, the way that it's going to happen eventually. I think that's the thing we were talking about on the pregame show last night. It's you just kind of trust it. At some point, it's going to happen. There was a video last night, and you know, there's some, some player family and friends that were in the arena last night. Not a ton of people, but a couple people, and they stood and clapped and stuff. And Mark kind of yeah, I thought that was really strange. Like it was like yeah. the, I mean, I get why they did it, but like it's. Like, who are you playing that for? You're really yeah. just playing it for Mark, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. Mark. And you can see Mark and the Lakers players all watching it, and the Grizzlies players, you know. I think at this point, a lot of those guys, uh, there's there's so many young guys on our team. I think we're the second youngest team in the NBA, and most of them don't really have a lot of memory of that. So, like, for them to see that and to see all that, too. But it was really cool. I, the videos on Twitter, if people haven't seen it, go watch it. it it's really good. I, I was going to say, in some ways, I think you're also playing it for the viral audience. Because sure. if, they're, if they're tuning in for this game, they're going to be curious what you do for Mark, and they see that video, and it was it was really well done. I thought it was great how much they focused on Mark actually as a person yeah. uh, in addition to who he was as a player. In, in the meantime, though, unfortunately, John Morant is hurt, and he's you know the, the franchise face in the making or theoretically in the making, depending on how things go. You know, we, We've seen a lot of great stuff from him on the court as a, as a rookie last season, in terms, though, like of who he is as a person, the personality, and what you would look for as a franchise face, what do you see in him now, and, and what are the things that you look for in terms of him just evolving into that role? A um, couple of things. I think you know, last year for Jai was tough because when you're a rookie point guard, it's it's tough to come into a team and kind of be the guy to take over, you know. And Jaron was already here, um, and, and when Jai got here, he had to kind of find his place and kind of figure out that leadership role and he he found it you know clearly by the end of the season that that Ja had kind of slipped into that role and I think heading into this season we, we were starting to see him um you know he, he played a week of games before before he got hurt but uh he looked a lot better than he was a year ago he could finish in the paint a lot better was more confident inside um, was more confident with that jump shot um he, I mean he he just looked like a better player than he was a year ago and last year was the rookie of the year so um you know he was clearly making those making those steps and getting better I think with Ja like you know, he talks about it a lot. Like he's been overlooked his entire career, you know, from, from high school going into college, then when playing at Murray state and they say, Oh, that's not a big, big school. He's just beating up on smaller schools and stuff. Um, you know, he, he kind of feels like he's been overlooked his whole life. And, and, you know, I, I, last year slam put him on the cover and they called me, um, to, to write the story, which was cool. Cause it was kind of go home again week. So, but I, I talked to Ja about it and I was like, Hey, 
um, you know, maybe this is the first time in your career that you've, you've kind of been rated right. You know, you've been underrated your entire life. And now all of a sudden, by the end of last season, everybody realized, okay, this guy is clearly the best rookie in this class. And, um, you know, I, I think he started kind of finally getting his just due. And But to his credit, like, I, I don't think it's enough. You know, he, he talks all the time, you know, about finding slights here and there. Kind of like Damian Lillard, you know, there's always finding some way to get motivation off something. I think Jaws similar in that way. Yeah. He's always finding motivation and, and always finding a way to, to kind of get fired up. And, and I, you know, the other thing with Jod, like, it just from a standpoint of franchise fit, like, it's really a perfect fit for him in Memphis. You know, this is a kid from South Carolina who, who went to college in Kentucky. Like, he's a Southern guy. He's from the South. He has the accent, all that stuff. And, and you know, he grew up in the country. You know, his dad would – set up a grill in the backyard and on the weekends would grill food and all his friends would come play pickup basketball. And, you know, this is a, a, a Southern kid and he's in a Southern city where, where basketball is the thing, you know, in Memphis, like historically basketball has been the big thing here. So it, it's a really good fit. Uh, just uh, culture wise, city wise, franchise wise, all that stuff. Like it really couldn't have been a, a better fit, I think for yeah. how it all played out. It's funny. I, I just a side note. I am one thousand percent convinced that Neil Olshay used to pay off members like coaches and media to not put Damian Lillard in the All Star game, <laughs> just so he could go nuclear in the second half of every year. Yeah, it um, works it, every year. Every oh, year it works. It was like clockwork. Um, but like this is what I think is fascinating about him. It's interesting that you talk about his personality and kind of being made to to be in that market in Memphis. Like there's an enormous pressure that comes with being a Lakers star. Like, you know, you have the eyes of a, but like sure. if you're drafted by the Lakers at some point, you can, the back of your head can go, you know what? I can be pretty good and not great because eventually they're going to be able to find that guy and bring him in. Memphis is different. And you guys have, you know, been very competitive over, over time and put together some really good teams, but it's not a traditional big free agent destination. Right. And somebody like John Morant, if the Grizzlies are going to be a, a conference champion type team, it's going to be someone like him leading it. Yeah. So it's a different kind of pressure. How yeah. aware do you think he is of that kind of thing? Him, you know, you could say the same about Jaron, I, I would suspect. He's also yeah. an outstanding player. Yeah, Jaron's, I mean, the crazy thing is Jaron's younger than Ja. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, this team is. I didn't know that. Yeah, like I said earlier, like I mean, this team is so young. Like it, it's it's just a, a really young team. And last year, there, at least at the beginning of the year, you had Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, like kind of the old veteran guys. And now, like Kyle Anderson is considered the old head. You know, and Kyle was laughing about it. Like he's like, I'm I'm the veteran guy. Like I'm the old guy on this team. Is he like 27? Yeah, I think so. I don't think he's 30 for sure. Like yeah, Kyle's Kyle's younger and. Uh, Gorgie Jang, I think it's 31. Like Gorgie, the oldest guy, him and Jonas are like the old grizzled veteran type. So, wow. you know, I, I, I kind of feel like these guys are all too young to realize the pressure or anything like that. And also, like, you know, they came into a situation where the, the franchise was clearly rebuilding, um, new coach, new GM, everything's changing. So I, I think last year, nobody expected this team to be in the eighth spot heading into the bubble. You know, like everyone thought, oh, this is a multi year process it's going to take a while you know the grizzlies are going to tr trade away mike conley gasol rebuild get assets all that stuff but it happened really quick um and you know all these pieces have gotten in here really fast and you know brandon clark another really great young player I was say, they did terrific with him that was yeah. a great pickup in late in the first round yeah i mean and you saw last night desmond bain looks really good for a low first round guy he's been able to come in and just shoot right away you know fill in that need so um it's still just such a young team and it's going to take some time for, for all that to, to fill in and get the pieces here. But uh, yeah, I, I think those guys are, they're almost too young to recognize the pressure of it. They just, they just go play and have fun and, and they genuinely get along. Like, um, you know, I haven't been able to go in the locker room this year, but previous years you go in there and, you know, you see them all hanging out, talking, you see it on Twitter. Like they, they play around, joke with each other. Like this is a group of guys who really get along and, Feels like you know the term that um, Rich Kleiman, the GM, keeps using. Uh, Zach Kleiman, I'm sorry, Rich is KD's name. <laughs> the term that Zach keeps using is. Uh, we make that joke about Rich Paul here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the term he keeps using is sustainable success. Like that's what they want to kind of create here: sustainable success. And I think you know if Jaws the, the building point, that's that's a pretty good thing to build on. When does when does Jaron get his own uh, zoo animal? Because That's a great question. This was the most. This was probably the most delightful moment of, of twenty twenty. <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't get enough of this story. Yeah. So the Memphis Zoo had a baby giraffe born, and they named him Ja Raff. 
and then and then one day josh shows up to go visit giraffe um i don't know if you, i retweeted this weekend some uh, somebody went to the zoo and took a photo of giraffe that was hanging out and and tagged john ja the tweet and was like hey look here's ja. and and John ja morant retweeted it and was like my young and out there chilling <laughs> i just love giraffes like i love like I love giraffes I, I like animals where you can clearly see like the evolutionary like path here like oh more food at the top of the trees longer necked yeah. animals get there and eat the food like that is very cut and dry like it's sort of it sort of looks like a like a horse designed by committee right like i mean it looks like <laughs> something went wrong at one point i went to kenya a decade ago and we saw these giraffes all over the place like you'd just be going down this you know we were in a nature preserve you'd be driving along and all of a sudden you turn the corner and they just look so weird because like the lower body looks you know horses equine i don't know the word you use <laughs> the lower body looks like a horse and then there's this whoop this neck that like stretches up to the top of the trees and when you drive around the corner they'd look at you like have you ever seen the videos of giraffes fighting oh it's insane you don't want to mess with the giraffe, man. I would imagine they could get one. a lot of they could get a lot of torque going with that neck. Oh, like, so like if I got to tell you, man, and and obviously these guys, you know, they've been someone like John Morant. They've been in this world for a long time, and they have to divorce sentimentality to some degree, just because you have to navigate a career and it's yeah. a business, and these teams often do that to you. But I know that if I were with a franchise in a city that named a giraffe after me, I would never ask out. Like you would have me for life. Like I, I would be signing a lifetime contract. Your team could be 50 games below 500 and I would feel too bad to abandon the giraffe. Yeah, I think, I, look, people here love John. John loves the city. They just put a mural of him on the side of this pizza place that opened. Uh, Panini is is announced this, like, new partnership with, with John. They put this, like, 30-foot-tall mural of John on the side of this building um, a couple miles from, from FedEx Forum here. Um, so, look, he's barely been here a year. You know, like, and all this stuff's happened in the last year. I, you know, it, it's it's clearly a, a a very warm marriage at this point. I I'm one. I, I think you guys may have planted the giraffe. Like, you know, you need to, little small market teams. You got to do the little stuff. You don't have the big things. Like, let's get a giraffe. You, you'll know that's Maybe. the case if the Panini mural gets updated and they add the giraffe in there. Like that, <laughs> that's 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 when you realize, okay, the giraffe the giraffe is in on it. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a part of the whole. The giraffe can paint the, the top parts, like the, the <laughs> put a brush in its mouth and let it do the top. So here, here's here's what it looks like when giraffes bite. Right. Oh, wait, oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yep. ah. Man, that's the whole fight. I mean, they're, they're pretty chill. <laughs> ah, <Is> it, <laughs> Is this the same? Is another angle or the same? <laughs> same giraffes, presumably. You know, it's very matrixy. Yeah, like, it is. You know, when Neo dodges the bullets and leans back, there's an element of that to it. These are like these are like three punch fights. They're all like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's heavyweight stuff. I mean, you, you can't. But that's that's what they do. They bash each other with their necks. And then in the neck, they like use yeah. the neck to hit the neck. So. It's very meta. You are the coach and GM of uh, Grizz Gaming. I am. Uh, how, how did that actually come about? Like, what was your experience, if any, in, in the world of gaming? That's interesting, given what we know about your background. So, you know, the whole uh, the quick background is I, I was at Slam forever and then spent a couple of years, uh, like, doing stuff for GQ, um, a couple of years at the NBA.com. Um, I'm from Atlanta originally. My wife's from Atlanta also. Our families are in the South. We were, we'd been in New York for 16 years or something. We were kind of ready to get out of New York and figure something out. And um, my deal was up with Turner who, who runs NBA.com. And um, my wife was like, you should just tweet it, tweet it that you're a free agent. Cause you have a lot of followers. See what happens. And I tweeted it. And um, like a day later, the Grizzlies called and we're like, Hey, let, let's talk. Um, Cause they were kind of starting up this grind city media. Um, I've always played video games my whole life. Um, I've written reviews of video games for slam New York times, GQ. I would you know, reviewed mostly sports games. And then um, when I was at NBA.com, all things lead back to Rick Fox. Rick was starting echo Fox, which was oh, his yeah. like esports thing. And so 
I, I kind of watched him do that, you know, and, and from afar and was watching him build this thing. And the first year they were just getting, they were losing all their matches. And I was calling them the Lakers of esports and all this stuff just to mess with Rick. And, and finally, finally, though, they, they got you good. Forget, you forget our audience, Lang. Oh, like, no, no, no. This was a year when the Lakers weren't good. This is like the, okay. but, right. uh, but then Rick, finally, they, they started getting good and they were winning games and like, and uh, winning championships and stuff. And so when the, the Grizzlies called me and, you know, this this 2K league, the NBA was starting a 2K league. Um, the game NBA 2K is the most popular basketball game, one of the most popular sports games in the world. So it's like 10 million copies a year. So the NBA partnered with uh, the company that makes 2K to, to start this league um, based around the game. When the league launched, 17 of the NBA teams had a team in, in the 2K league. And the Grizzlies were like, would you want to come run our team? And I called Rick and I was like, do you think I could do this? And I, he was like, look, you understand the basketball part of it. The esports part of it, you know, you can learn that. He, he's like, the whole esports just in general is like five years old. Nobody understands it. You can figure that part out. But he goes, you'd be great at it. So that gave me kind of the confidence to go back to them and 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 do it. And so we're heading into year four of, of Grizz Gaming now. What do, what do the duties of both coaching and GMing consist of? Everything. So, um, you know, it, uh, coaching, when we have games, I'm on the headsets with the guys and uh, looking for plays we can run. Okay, that's what I was that's asking. What, like, yeah. yeah, Like, what are you doing? We have offenses. We have defenses. We have rotations. We have sets we use on offense, defense. Uh, you know, during the games, I'm like either – um, I'm helping look for like mismatches, things like that. Hey, this play might work here. Um, keeping track of timeouts, fouls, all that stuff. Um, I mean, basically the same thing coaches do. You know, I during the games, the Grizzlies games pre-pandemic, I used to sit right behind Taylor and I could watch him and like see what he would do. And, you know, one of the things he would say a lot to the guys last year, especially was when the call would go against them or a turnover or whatever, you'd hear him yell, like, keep playing, keep playing. Just remind the guys, like, don't get in your head about it. Just keep playing. I say that all the time to my guys, like things happen, the, you know, you get a weird animation, something doesn't go your way. And I, I'm reminding the guys, come on, keep going. Let's forget it. We'll talk about it later. But right now we got to keep playing. Um, so coaching all that stuff, GM, you know, like we have to, we have two players on our roster. Now we have to draft four coming up in, in the draft in 2021. So I'm scouting guys, looking at players play and booking places for the guys to live, you know, all that stuff. Um, so <laughs> There was one day, like, uh, yeah, there was one day, like, a year ago, I, I found myself, like, in the loading dock of FedEx Forum, stacking, like, pallets of water on this, you know, uh, moving tray thing, and I was going to have to carry them all up to the Grizz Gaming Space, and I was like, man, I bet Zach Kleiman doesn't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do it. So uh, you know, it's been it's been amazing watching this. Well, thing that grow. climate also arranged for the giraffe. So maybe if you raise the <laughs> game a little bit, you know, you could you could fix that problem. Get a giraffe right? named after one of my players or something. Exactly, or yeah. some animal doesn't have There's to be nothing. a giraffe. Forge your own path, Lang. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but you know, I would definitely get one that fights cooler than a giraffe. If I oh, it. okay, no, I got a I got a better one. <laughs> so, kangaroo maybe no 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 a better giraffe fighting oh okay okay do you you consider yourself a player's coach um are are you old school like how how do you operate in terms of a little bit of both you know actually i i like um the one thing i've kind of learned is like every person reacts differently to different types of information and response so you know this guy you can kind of kick him in the pants and and say hey you got to play better and this guy you got to kind of take another approach to it um you know, we we have a our, our point guard, this kid named Vandy, and he's I think he's 21 years old. Um, and there's times where you have to kind of you know pat him on the back and be like, hey, you know, it's going to get better tomorrow. We'll, we'll you know we'll just keep working on it. And then there's days where I, you know I have to put on a little bit of a show and throw my hat on the floor and huff and puff and walk out of the room. Um, you know, I mentioned to you guys Ted Lasso earlier. I I told uh, somebody I work with here. I was like, I'm stealing all those speeches you gave. For, for next year for Grizz Gaming, like the, the team speeches he gave the guys. I don't know, Andy, if you've seen that, but like that, I've not. That's probably the only show that I can think of. In I have not seen it. Like, oh, it's fantastic! Know, it's incredible that like I, I I've not heard anybody who doesn't like it. Like <laughs> it, nobody. I mean, to be clear, like I mean, it, it's a terrible premise for a show. If you think about it, like it's you know, uh, uh, it's basically Major League 
in England, the yes. baseball movie. It's like a woman who's wants to upset her ex-husband, hires a American football coach who knows nothing about soccer to come run this team into the ground. And uh, but Jason Sudeikis just makes the show so watchable. Like he, he's. I, I've heard it's just like the most incredibly optimistic show. It is. It's like at a time when everybody really needs optimism. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I didn't watch it until about a month ago because mm -hmm. I just thought this seems like a dumb show. Like, I'm not going to watch this. Um, and I finally started watching it. And my wife and I plowed through the whole thing in like three days. Like, I, yeah, they did the same thing. And it's, but like, you think of like different popular shows, like, you know, Game of Thrones. I mean, I, I've even met people who didn't like Breaking Bad or yeah. stuff like that. It's like, I have not found anybody who didn't like Ted Lasso. Like there, yeah. that person does not exist. It's, it's also amazing. like, yeah, it's per, like each episode's like twenty eight minutes. Like they're not long, so it's easy no. to get through them. And it's only ten episodes, I think. And and it, if you're a sport, it's also like there's not a lot of good sports shows on TV that are you know not reality shows basically. So this one, um, this one kind of checks all those boxes. It's it's great. So yeah, for sure. All anyway, right, I'm, here, I'm stealing here. all Check these. Let's see here this. we go. Look at that. It's the same Whack. way. Oh. Get in there. Ooh, got him. There's this guy. <laughs> Bam. Oh, I mean, come on, Lang. I mean, that's a solid connection. Is I mean, pork. So my son is really into animals. So I, I have a little bit of knowledge of this sort of just so that I picked up the osmosis from him watching stuff. But I, I think kangaroos are pretty badass the way they fight. You know, they, yeah. they tilt back and they, they balance. Yeah. But on those claws, they have right. like, they're really sharp paws, and they can like disembowel each other. <laughs> Australia and, is the most dangerous place. Yeah, like yeah. I, I spent a year there in school, and the, I'm not kidding. Like the 45 seconds into orientation, the messaging is: don't put your hands where you can't see, don't put your feet where you can't see. Everything is sharp and poisonous. Yeah. If it bites you, you will die. And they like to hide, and whatever it is likes to hide in your shoe. Yeah. So I'm going kangaroo. I'm gonna if I have a fighting animal, I'm gonna pick a kangaroo. We used to when I used to work at Slam, I used to all the time do stuff where we would argue about uh, man versus beast. Like if this animal had to compete against a human in like a, a road race or different things like that, it was a great topic. And then Fox actually made a show called Man versus Beast that it was it was terrible. But you mean Fox, it. you mean Fox the Network, not Handsome Man Rick Fox? Right? No, no, no. Fox. Yeah, Fox the Network. Uh, yeah, Fox did this whole show about uh, man versus beast, which, you know, like a, a person running against a cheetah and stuff like that. <laughs> that doesn't feel fair. Who won? <laughs> Who do you think? Yeah. Um, as we talked about earlier, you write for Grind City Media, and one of the attractions on Grind City Media is Cooking with Lang. Uh, you can discover it over at uh, gr grindcitymedia.com backslash cooking with Lang. You can learn different Food items such as duck breast. Yeah. Have right here. I did not know, uh, Lang, until checking out a recent installment that you're supposed to cook duck medium rare. Oh, yeah. I would have assumed it's just like chicken or turkey or whatever other poultry that it, you know, uh, yeah, warmed over and over. Yeah. No. All the way. Yeah. Those you got to get at 165 to kill like the bacteria. The duck breast is like a red meat, basically, and you want it kind of medium, medium rare. Um, unless you're maybe the president and you want it well done. <laughs> I think it's safe to assume if he's not willing to eat a hamburger medium rare, he's yeah. going everything well done. Um, some photos, uh, uh, people who don't uh, aren't aware of you, follow you on Twitter. You can see all of the uh, hashtag <laughs> quarantine, hashtag cooking with Lang, uh, your New Year's uh, yeah. extravaganza. Yeah. Here we go. Some turkey, cornbread. I mean, in the South, there's a there's a superstition you have to have black eyed peas cornbread and greens the the peas represent coins the greens represent dollar bills and the cornbread is gold so you have to have those three things if you want to get a little deeper the greens you're supposed to cook with pork because pigs root forward and chickens turkeys scratch backwards hmm. and for superstitious purposes for 2021 you want to move forward so but i so on Christmas Day, I, I cooked a turkey breast, and I had the legs left over. So I bought a couple extra legs, and I did a confit thing where you cover them in oil and cook them in the oven all day and pull them out about a couple days later, and they were pretty awesome. Here, by the way, is a close-up of the greens that yeah, uh, I was referring that, to with the pork in there. Some that is yeah. gorgeous, by the way. That's really you. good looking. I when did you I guess when did you first start getting into cooking? I love that we're talking about this. This is so no, we, are oh, you kidding? We yeah. look we we have food people on. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when we have Kevin Arnovitz on, we have to force yeah, ourselves oh, sure. to actually ask him some basketball questions. I went to a, far more interested in talking about food than he is. Oh, basketball. I know. I went to a Dodgers game with Kevin um, when the finals were in LA and whenever that was, 07, 08, something like that. And, uh, you know, Kevin's from Atlanta originally, as am I. So we're a Braves fan. The Braves happened to be in LA. So we went to the game. And Kevin's like, I was like, do you want to just get food there? And he's like, no, no, I'll, I'll bring it. He brought sushi to the, to the game. <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, God. The, the, he, he hasn't been able to do it as much lately. But uh, when the All-Star you know, all Star game or something like that would yeah. happen, Kevin would uh, have a bunch of different media people over to his place for a yep. brunch. And he would make everything. Yeah. It's always just spectacular. He's yeah. really good. He is. He is. I, so I started – I mean, my mom cooked. My grandparent, my grandmother cooked. Uh, but I was never really into it when I was a kid. And then when I got, I moved to New York with my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and um, neither one of us really cooked. And, you know, we were just like ordering out every single night after like three months, you're like, all right, something's got to give here. So I, I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to take this on. So I just started watching Food Network and PBS cooking shows all the time. Um, you know, the internet was around. So I would Google stuff, how to, how to do, you know, how to, debone a chicken, all that stuff. Um, you know, now on YouTube, you can pretty much find anything you need to know, but between those, those things, that was kind of how I started learning how to do stuff. And then I kind of had a little bit of a natural, I don't know, a, attraction to it or whatever, something in it to me, I just really enjoyed doing it. I love standing there like dicing an onion, just kind of having quiet time. That's my quiet time at the end of the yeah. day, just being in there and you know, turn on some music. Get like, you've great. got 21 year old, you know, virtual point guards who aren't listening to you <laughs> before. Yeah. You need to decompress somehow. A little bit. Yeah. So that, that kind of became my way to decompress. And it was just something I did for fun for years. And then uh, after I left slam, I, I was GQ's NBA blogger for a couple of years. And then when NBA.com hired me, I couldn't write about the NBA for GQ anymore. So I was talking to my editor there and he was like, we'd love to still have you do stuff. What would you want to do? And I was like, what about like cooking for guys who don't know how to cook? Um, they weren't really doing that at the time. No one was writing that stuff for GQ. And so they were like, all right, so go with it. So I started this thing for that where uh, I would have chefs, like these chefs would come to New York to promote their books. So I would have them come to my apartment and cook something to show like you can have, you know, a, a boat sized kitchen. Um, and you can still make awesome food in a, a small kitchen. You don't need this professional fancy thing. So these different chefs came and, and would cook stuff in my kitchen. I started kind of just writing recipes, but writing them in kind of relatable ways. Like I would say dice this the size of an Air Max shoestring or that kind of thing. You know, things that like guys would understand and try to make it easy. Um, I did that for a couple of years. It was fun. And then when I moved to Memphis, I kind of put all that on halt because I was just so busy getting Grizz Gaming running and everything else. But the day that the quarantine started, whenever that was, March, April, whenever the Go Bear game happened, right after that, uh, that night I, I cooked dinner and I just put a picture of it on Twitter and I put the hashtag quarantine just to be funny. And uh, and my my boss oh, and the guy who runs the Grind City Media Twitter account retweeted it and put hashtag cooking with Lang on it. And our boss called me that night and was like, hey, do you think you can do videos, like cooking with Lang videos? We need like, content. Yeah, he was like, we're going to have content. We need content. And I was like, I mean, I don't know how to do it. We can't have a camera crew come in my house. So what we ended up doing is my wife films them on my work iPhone. And then I send all the video files to our video team. Um, Sam, one of the guys in our video team, Edwards, does the editing, puts them all together. Uh, I record a little voiceover on my iPhone, send it to him. And so uh, that's how they do it on the Pioneer Woman. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, me and Reed. They, they, they have like 19 kids and they do all yeah. the filming. Uh, I, I want to, before we let you go, I want to ask you the, you know, you, you know, you mentioned that you were Slam and GQ and, and all that stuff. Like you, you have kind of lived in NBA culture. Yeah. Um, what I, I realize this is a hard question to answer and it's pretty broad, but like NBA Twitter is, you know, as engaging as uh, I think any sports. Twitter subsection of anything, you know, shoe culture is its own right. thing. Like, oh, there's so much about basketball that is culturally um, significant and, and things like it can be really cool. It can be really mean. Where do you think kind of basketball culture is right now? Like relative to, you know, where it was 15, 20 years ago, whatever it might be. Um, it's a good question. You know, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, when I was at Slam Online, I did a column every day called The Links. And 
it was basically aggregating content and sending people to links to different stories at the time. And, and there was no, there wasn't even like a comment section when I started the thing. Like I would post the, I would post the article and then get like 50 emails between then and the next day. And then I could kind of figure out what I wanted to be in the column the next day via the emails. But then eventually, you know, comments came around and then Twitter, um, all that stuff. Like, I think like the more immediate that stuff becomes kind of the meaner the discourse becomes a little bit. And look, we're all guilty of it. Like, you know, I, I was making fun of James Harden last week. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's pretty easy to, to, kind of just feel like oh well this isn't going to happen you know i mean i mean this isn't going to be seen i can just say whatever i want it doesn't matter but but you know what's what's interesting is like people read it like that was the thing with slam like when you wrote something in slam whoever you're writing about they were going to see it eventually it was going to get to that guy and i think on the internet that you see that happening now you tweet something and then like in the comments somebody will tag the person you're like, oh, come on. Like, I didn't, like, I was, you know, I wasn't trying to be specific to that person. It was more right. like an idea, I thought. But yeah, you I know, think it's a little mean. Yeah, like, is, it, is it good for basketball? Like, the way that, you know, on the one hand, you know, the, the stuff's out there and, you know, it's, you have more exposure to, to players and shoes and, and, and lifestyle and all this other stuff. But like you say, it can get really mean, like, to the point where even I think, like, there's a, a backlash that you see on the broadcasts themselves from some of the older broadcasters and stuff who kind of harken back to, you know, back when I was a, a young lad stuff that I, well, I, I can't tell if it's good or not. Well, you guys know, like, first of all, those old guys, I sound like Charles Barkley when I started the sentence with, first of all, um, you guys know, like any of those guys, like that's the, there's like a, a huge button on their chest that you can push while you bring up, you know, these days it seems like these guys don't have to work as hard as you guys did. Then boom, you get 10 minutes of them ranting about, you know, back in my day, we never had this and that. I mean, look, today you don't have fans screaming at the guys from six feet away like they did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, That's true. You know, fans would get ejected if they said some of the stuff that got said a long time ago. Those guys used to fly commercial. They'd have people yell at them in airports, on airplanes, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think players are a lot more removed from it than they than they were 20 years ago, that kind of thing. But but it's also a little bit more immediate. And if you take it more personally, I guess, you know, if you see these words on a phone screen and it, you know, affects you in some sort of way. Um, but I also think like, this whole generation of players that's coming up now, all these younger guys, like they grew up with this, you know, they're sort of native to this, the way the discourse works and the way that the internet works right now. And they're used to seeing things happen um, really quickly. Like I always see Ja, he, when you notice him on Twitter, when he tweets, it's always like a, like a one hour spurt of tweets of him, like him responding to things. And then it kind of cuts off for a long time. And he lives pretty far outside of the city and his, drive back and forth his dad was driving him last year back and forth and i was wondering i asked him i was like is that during your commute you just sit there on your phone and you bang out twitter for like an hour and he's like yeah that's that's kind of how it works <laughs> but i think these guys they don't live with twitter 24 7 um and you know like us myself you guys like we're on there all day looking at news looking at things trying to figure out what's happening and you know how do we respond to to what's going on right now i think a lot of those guys it's more like a just kind of come and go drop in drop out um and they don't take it as personally, but maybe that's why Steph Curry took it more personally because he's older. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, putting a button on it, just the guys that you're talking about, like Barkley in that generation, I think you're correct that they dealt with more direct hostility from fans, like in terms of face to face, you know, fewer buffers, but there was also more separation once you left like a couple environments, whereas these guys may not have to deal with as much direct um insults you know direct negativity in that type of space but it's harder to go away from it all together it's, it's, it's really difficult to disconnect because, I mean, like, meanness, it's that meanness that you talked about lang that all of us are parents it's yeah. it, it's similar to what you worry about with our kids all growing up in social media that you sort of never get away from because you're always on some type of a, of a device yeah. And, you know, asking kids, you know, say are getting bullied over social media, well, just don't go on Facebook, don't go on Twitter, Instagram or whatever. You're basically saying don't engage in life as we know it, like yeah. this is what it actually is. The, the thing that makes it hard also is like some of those tweets just live forever. Like, 
I mean, now you can mute a specific tweet, but there's things I tweeted a week ago, not bad things, but things I tweeted a week ago that are, are still getting recycled in my feed, you know, and it's, it's hard to forget about some of that stuff. Like it just keeps coming back and back and back. Yeah, I'll occasionally get a tweet like favorited or liked or whatever from like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, there's the robot. <laughs> you, that's how you know the robots are out there. No question. Yeah, um, sure. You you uh, talked about kangaroos. Uh, check out this motherfucker. This is look at this guy. I am not messing with that animal. Look at that. You don't want it with a kangaroo. <laughs> look at that thing. Oh, he'll kill you. He's flexing. He is. I mean, the, uh, how tall are those things? Like eight feet tall, nine feet they tall? Can be. That, yeah. that, that kangaroo looks like he just like took off his shirt and was ready to fight. Ooh. They can punch you with their hands or disembowel you with their feet. Ooh. Look at that. Ooh, ooh. Oh. Do you think a kangaroo could beat up a giraffe? Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I do. I yeah, probably. Kangaroos have more mobility. I don't know if a giraffe could like get a hit in on the kangaroo. Yeah. You think that's what it says? You think that's what it says with uh, on their business card? Like, what was the first part? And then and disembowel you with their feet, like punch you with the hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> disembowel is a really underrated word. It is. Yeah, I, I don't know if a giraffe could like get a lick in because it feels like the kangaroos. A, they have the mobility. B, yeah. By the time they swing the thing around, you'd see it coming. You can just hop out of the way. <laughs> That is, that is it's right the here. classic big lineup versus small lineup. <laughs> <laughs> the giraffes would have a definite rebounding advantage, but the kangaroos yeah. would probably shoot really well from outside the three-point line. I just like they don't look angry. Both the giraffe and the kangaroo before they kill you, don't they? Look perfectly sanguine. Well, well, are a little more upset, but well, we'll ask some of the geeks that we know in the analytics world. Uh, you know, wh what does the uh, deep data favor, the kangaroo or the giraffe? <laughs> uh, way to modern is, uh, the GM and coach of Grizz Gaming, uh, Grind City Media. You remember him from Slam and NBA.com and GQ, uh, in, and then a chef and a lover of uh, giraffes. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much. It's been fun. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I want to come back and we can do like a whole. We should do a whole animal, uh, <laughs> uh, animal husbandry episode. Like, which one? Uh, yeah, if, that's if they fought, who would win? Yeah, absolutely. That actually would be a great audience engagement episode. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, all right, cool. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So that's Lang Whitaker. Uh, thanks again to Lang for joining us uh, earlier today. Um, I think giraffe fighting is cooler looking than kangaroo fighting. Because you know what I don't like about kangaroo fighting? I don't like when they do the thing where they put their heads back and kind of paddle at each other. This is the way I would describe it. It makes it look less like tough. I I think that I think that a kangaroo is more of an actual fighter, but a giraffe is a more interesting creature to watch fight. I would agree with it's that. More of a unique fighting style. Like it's more difficult, I think, to scout for a giraffe. Like you're not quite sure what you're doing. Like you you get it's the way styles make fights. Like it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be really difficult to try to figure out how to defend against a giraffe. But once you figure that out, the giraffe's going to have no counters. Like a kangaroo's going to have True. way more counters than a giraffe. I, I, hey, Jorge's here with us. Um, so yeah, we, we got a, a couple minutes. We get out of here, but the uh, you know the, the Lakers tomorrow play the second half of that um, uh, the the series now that we're seeing so much of in Memphis. You know, no jaw. We talked about no Jaron Jackson Jr. Like basically Memphis, the the players that make the Grizzlies interesting are all hurt. Um, and, you know, you would expect the Lakers to win. We talked a lot. If you missed it, uh, Land, new Land of Lakers podcast, we talked a lot with um, Tim Cranges McBasketball from bballindex.com about some of the stuff the Lakers have been doing, um, winning while they're they're getting the hang of new personnel and new players encourage people to uh, go to uh, iTunes and find that one. Um, but just, just subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. It'll do the finding for you. It just, just appears like magic in your inbox. Subscribe, subscribe by the way, to the the uh, late night happy hour podcast as yeah. well. Um, before we go, though, the Warriors beat the Kings tonight, one hundred and thirty seven to one hundred six. Um, Steph Curry had uh, thirty points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. 
Um, two turnovers. He was a plus 26 on the night. Um, the Warriors have won four of five. Steph, after this is after the Golden State got blown out um, in the first two games against uh, Brooklyn and then Milwaukee, two of the better teams theoretically in the East. Um, so the Warriors are now four and three. Steph has gone for 36, 31, 26, 62, and 30 after those first two games where he went for 20 and 19. Um, just I'll, I only bring this up. Sometimes we got to pump the brake on the slander. You know, like people were ready after two games to decide that's not just the Warriors could be really bad this year. And I got to admit, I was like, Ugh, I'm not sure how this is going to work. And they still might be pretty ordinary. No, I'm. I'm not ready to say that they've moved past ordinary. Let's no, they're they're if everybody plays and like if Draymond's healthy and all, but like this kid, they're going to struggle to be a have, good team in the conference. They have not beaten a team that is currently above 500. Right, the best team they've beaten is Portland. Portland and Steph had to score 62 points for them right. to beat Portland. Like to put this in perspective, and we'll we'll get into this tomorrow with uh, Victoria Jacobs. She's going to be uh, joining. Jacoby. Jacoby, excuse me. So I was thinking of Jacobs from uh, a different. Uh, well, we a, right. we, earlier today, I referred to Taylor Jenkins um, as Taylor Jacobs, right? Um, so that, that, and then that. who was a uh, a football player, right? And so, so now it's in the hands. It's it's my right. fault. It's my uh, Victoria Jacoby. Uh, she's going to be on with us tomorrow. You guys know her on Twitter at uh, Count on Vic. She's awesome. You guys loved her the last time she was with us. But to put this in perspective. Had Steph scored 45, which is a great night, the Warriors lose. By a lot. Um, but I, I, I will say this. This doesn't mean the Warriors are good. I agree with you. They're a fringy playoff team in the West if everyone stays healthy. Maybe they make it into the play-in tournament or whatever. Maybe they're in the top 10 or whatever it might be. Whatever. Steph Curry is awesome. Yeah. Okay. And Steph didn't get shitty like overnight. Like Steph's championships were not a fraud. They're like all of this, like, you know, and I'm not saying everyone said this, whatever. And, you know, this is not, it's, it's not, but it, but it's not quite washed King stuff either. Um, where like maybe one person, like there were people ready to stick a fork in Steph and try to deconstruct, uh, like kind of some of the stuff that he had done over the, the, the course of, of his career. I think he heard and uh, got a little mad. We talked about it with Dame Lillard, like how every year he didn't make the All-Star team, he would just come out and just flame the the NBA over the last two months of the season. No, um, I think they made Steph mad. There's no question. They hear everything. Um, all right. So tomorrow night, Victoria Jacoby will come back on Wednesday, do some wrestling with Bill Hanstock. Um, back to basketball on Thursday with Um Young Masuk and Friday, get you ready for the playoffs. A great, great week on the Late Night Happy Hour. Thanks so much uh, to everyone for sticking around tonight, and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you, Nidalanda.